When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to Music in My Life with me, Laura Wright. It's the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? Now this is a little bit different. This is the best of 2020. It's been an absolute pleasure and a joy to have had so many wonderful stories over the months from friends, from colleagues, and in fact from strangers who I now call friends to listen all about the music in their life. Moments in time that have just stood still because of a certain song and music that just allows us to sit in an emotion with that feeling and and not feel guilty of being indulgent. I hope you've enjoyed each and every podcast episode. There's been a lot of love poured into them and I guess this is my chance to say a huge thank you not only to my guests but also to the team at Create Productions and Activate Management who believed in my idea and helped create something that I've found a true passion for. So on to the best bits, starting with none other than Joss Stone. Joss sang along with all of her song choices and her positivity and energy came through tenfold on the podcast. She was just an absolute joy to chat to. And I must admit, I can say this now that we've uh, put the episode out, I was really nervous about talking to someone who I really admired in the music industry. I've chosen her song choice of You'll Never Walk Alone and the story that goes alongside it. It's about her family and in particular her dad's undying love for Liverpool FC. Here we go. Let's have a listen to Joss Stone's Music in My Life. I remember my dad came in to my class when I was like 10 and he pulled me out of the class right in the middle of it to take me to watch a Liverpool football match. No way. Oh, yeah, I was so proud. Your I dad's so cool. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's so cool. He can be very funny, but he's, he's quite brazen, you know. So I'm sure he wasn't allowed to do that, but he kind of pushed past the teachers and was like, nope, we won't make it up there. She's coming with me. So he stopped <laughs> the classroom and was like, Joss, come on. And of course I said, okay, I'll follow my dad. It's fine. So I have this lovely memory of, of that. So that's kind of important. But really that song has, it's been with us through a lot of kind of ups and downs. This is why it's such a great song, because you can sing it when you're winning and when you're losing. And that's the most important thing about your attitude to life, I think. You know, to know, like you said, just two seconds ago, we are in this together and we're in this together on a good day and a bad day. So it's kind of, it's encouraging. The lyrics are very encouraging. 
um and the melody's beautiful um and is there is there a specific version for you is it you know the kind of jerry and the peacemakers or are there other versions because i mean obviously when i look at you know the songs that you've chosen to talk about Mm. today there are there are so many versions of this song and uh, covers of it instrumental whatever it may be and is there a one version or is it just the fact that it's you and your dad sort of shouting it from the sands yeah i think it's that i mean jerry and the pacemakers is a great one um but i don't really put that on to to jam out to it. it. It normally just happens a cappella in, well, anywhere. My dad will stand up in a pub and just randomly start singing this song. And, and then uh, I bet you everyone joins in. Join in. Yeah. Yes. Well, even if it's just me and dad. <laughs> <laughs> Party you for two what? over here. <laughs> a really mad story. And it doesn't work right now because um, good old Bill Clinton. We've changed our view on Bill Clinton recently, I feel, because of the old, the plane that he liked to frequent. But um, we don't know the story there. So um, my dad came to a gig that I played for Bill. It was a charity that he had put together. This was after he was president. And um, it was somewhere in London. I wish I could remember the name of the venue. But it was like underneath, it was like a basement secret kind of, I don't know, club where people go to... I don't know, feel elitist probably. Um, so that was like the after party for this gig. And my dad wanted to talk to Bill, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course he does, right? So he's like, he's like, Joss, we've got to go talk to Bill. I'm like, Dad, I don't know. I feel embarrassed. I can't just go over there and be like, Bill, can you talk to my dad, please, for a second? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But anyway, throughout the night, we ended up kind of mingling and, um, and Bill started chatting with me about, uh, music because he plays saxophone. And then my dad came over and just put his hand on Bill's shoulder and his hand on my shoulder and just stood in between us. (laughs) So (laughs) casual. Yeah, it was so casual. It was so funny. He just took control as if like he'd been there the whole time. And then, um, Bill was chatting away about music, his favorite songs and this and that. And he mentioned Nina Simone. And I think that she did a version of You'll Never Walk Alone. And my dad then was like, this is my moment. And he came in, he goes, yes, she did You'll Never Walk Alone. And he looked at Bill dead in the face and he went, when you walk. (laughs) And then Bill goes, through a storm. Yes. And it all started. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere... Kevin Spacey just turned up on the right hand side and then <laughs> this is the best story I think I've ever heard <laughs> honestly my dad tells it much better than me but it was just so brilliant it was like the best moment for him so yeah <laughs> that's one of my favorite songs and I've got lots of reasons why yeah no oh my goodness that is honestly one of the best stories ever I was gonna say that one of the versions is an Aretha Franklin version as well and oh yeah I want to so we're gonna have a little listen to some of this song and I think we've got sort of two versions oh, nice. so the, the version that everyone knows the Jerry and the Peacemakers but then also the other version which is the Aretha Franklin um and I think yeah. it's really yeah well I just I think it's cool yes. to hear as well you know you're someone who I think you know interprets music in a really unique way so mm. let's have a listen to these very different versions
can sing it. <laughs> I love it because the thing is, if you start too high, it's a problem. Won't be for you, actually. Oh no, I've been there, Joss. Don't worry, I've been there. Yeah. If you start, I mean, you really have to start low on that one, and then you can just kick it when it goes to the top. I know, but, but I you'll have to tell your dad I sang it at a uh, Liverpool Football Club awards ceremony. Oh, as, I'm like, so the jealous. Players, yeah, as the no players way. walked in. And I had oh. to choose um, a backing track and other musicians and singers like yourself will understand that if you haven't recorded a, a specific song, you yeah. wouldn't have a backing track of it. And if there isn't a live band, then you kind of have to find yeah. your own and sort it out. And I basically had one key as an option and it was very, very high. And I, at that point at the end, I just was like, close your eyes. Yep, just tense, do it. Tense everything in your body. <laughs> yeah. Just sing as Dig high deep, girl. as you can. Yep, and that's what I had to do. But yeah, no, I, oh, I completely agree with you. Such a good piece of music, though. So, so good. In fact, I think we have got a little bit of the other Aretha Franklin version. Let's have a little listen to that as well. Nice. What you gotta do? Yes, Aretha. Ah. Yes, Aretha. Where's the melody gone? Yeah. <laughs> I love she's just like, yes, just go ahead and walk on. It's like, whatever. The melody yeah. is just is irrelevant. But this is this is something <laughs> oh, that I love that. Next up is a dear friend of mine, Mr. Ed Chamberlain. We collided in the world of racing and it's been a pleasure to work alongside him at events such as Ascot and the Grand National. And his passion for sport knows no boundaries. And in fact, I didn't really realise how important music was to him until we recorded our episode for music in my life. This is the story of a very, very famous racehorse and rider and the music that became synonymous with the Grand National. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, tell me about why this piece is so iconic for you. Crikey, I'd have to try and fit this in. I could talk about this song for hours. It means so much to me, <laughs> Laura, honestly. It, and I think it, anyone who's a sports fan or a racing fan, this song resonates. So it first resonated for me because of the film, if I'm honest. And in 1981, a horse called uh, Aldeniti won the Grand National for a jockey called Bob Champion. And that sounds very ordinary on the face of it, but it had the most extraordinary backstory to it. Uh, because Aldeniti was a down and out horse that came back to win a Grand National. But the man on board had had cancer. And that's obviously become a big part of my life because I've had a similar story to him. And Bob Champion had recovered from cancer, not only recovered and lived. And I had a similar disease 30 years on when medicine was completely different. In, in, in that era, you had very little chance of survival. And somehow Bob survived and not only survived, but fought back to be fit enough to ride again and then fought back to be fit enough to ride in the most famous race in the world. And then to win it is just You can't the most write it, ext- can you? You couldn't. I mean, yeah. it, uh, you know, they did write it in a film, which says it all. A most extraordinary story. And this music was the theme tune to that movie. So that resonated with me anyway from, at the time, I thought it was incredible what he'd recovered from. And we've obviously met since then because I had a, a similar journey, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. Um, and survived as well, thankfully, and and was very fortunate. Then the Grand National, for me growing up, was everything to me, everything. 
I was a massive sports fan, but the Grand National was the biggest event, bigger than any FA Cup final, World Cup final, Ashes Test match, anything. I just loved the Grand National, largely because my grandfather was obsessed by it. And I worshipped him and he's the one who got me into racing. He's the one to blame for where I am now. And the Grand National was the highlight of my year, bigger than anything, bigger than any event, family event, anything. Never slept. I'd sleep fine knowing Father Christmas was coming the next morning. I never slept the night before the Grand National. <laughs> I would be so excited. And did and you did you have kind of a setup? What was your setup? Do you remember when you were younger, well, you know, come well, Grand National Day? The big setup would be, would be preparing the, the family sweepstake. I was in charge of that. And so that I would... The, the newspapers would generally have the runners uh, the day before it would all be set up. So it'd be the Friday newspaper, which I would have cut up and then separated into different groups. Then I'd try to learn all 40 horses' names. Game used to be me. Could I recite all the Grand National runners? <laughs> then I, I remember inventing a game one year with a friend of mine called Tom, where we tried to say all the Grand National runners in one breath. I remember it so <laughs> well. Brown wins a hungry her. I can remember half the names. And it, I was just obsessed by it. Unhealthily obsessed by it. I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. And the BBC who showed it then, I knew they'd come on air at 12.15 and Des Lynham was my hero in life. I had great sporting heroes, but Des Lynham, believe it or not, the television presenter was the biggest hero in my life. And he was a master at the start of Grand National Days, just the coolest dude on the planet. And he would just come into vision sometimes, Laura, and all he'd have to say was, big day today. And then <laughs> generally it would cut into this music. And, oh, honestly, it was... The music just meant the world to me when I was from the age of, I'd have, I'd have been seven when Aldeniti won the Grand National. So from then onwards, I was, I was just hooked by the Grand National. And then I started going to the Grand National when I was at school and a student. And when I joined ITV, the first thing I said to my boss when he said, How, what's your vision of ITV racing? This is back in 2016. I said, well, listen, the Grand National is my dream to present a Grand National is my dream, but you've got to promise me one thing. And I'm not taking this ITV job unless you can make this promise. We're bringing the champions music back, which wasn't used by Channel 4 who were before us. And I said, we have to bring this music back because I want people at home to feel like teenagers again, watching the Grand National. I want them to remember what it meant to them when they were little. And Listen, hopefully it worked. The year before, the year we brought back the Champions music, we won a we won a BAFTA for the coverage. So, I think it worked. I think yeah. it worked. It's a very I, special I, piece of music. It is a very special piece of music, and you're right. It's that nostalgia for a lot of people that it keeps a memory alive. And that is for me anyway, I in complete agreement with you. That's the power of music. It has the ability to take you back to one place or even just give you one feeling. And you're literally, you know, you're 11 years old again, sat there in front of the TV, jumping up and down, pretending you're a jockey shouting, you know, shouting the name of your right. horse, whatever That's it might be. And I think that is just why music can be so powerful. And do you know what, as well, I think, um, in this podcast series, this is the first time someone's chosen a really classical piece of music as well. And that's, again, I think the power that sport has in bringing different genres of music to audiences that might not necessarily hear it or be exposed to it. Um, but let's let's have a listen to the Champions theme tune. Uh, this is written by Carl Davis.
Okay, on to my next best bit of 2020. Charlotte Ritchie and I have known each other since we were about 14 years old. We were thrown together into the group All Angels. And if I'm honest, I was really nervous about this conversation. It had been about 15 years since we'd spoken to each other. And I didn't know how natural it would feel, especially that we weren't meeting in person. But she is still now, as she was 15 years ago, one of the funniest people I know. And she's so passionate about music too. Since she was very young, she told me all about how her house has been full of music and the stories that show her personality at its best. I also think we can all relate to those moments early on in our school career when we thought that learning a dance routine was the most important thing in the world. How simple life was back then. So I hope you enjoy this reminiscent story from Charlotte Ritchie in her episode of Music in My Life. So yeah, so it's it's quite um, it's quite relaxing actually. To be fair, today actually does feel like the first time I kind of because I feel like it's been a bit of a whirlwind coming back into a new job, moving into a new place, and we've had like quite full on rehearsals. So it is quite nice to have just a morning to sit and have a chat. Actually, <laughs> it's quite yeah, relaxing, definitely. Um, and and people probably yeah. forget that that you know you just saying like oh I'm staying here and and it's not my home. And actually, you know, for this year in particular, home comforts I think have become really important to people and the simple things in life. And I suppose as well, you know, we we mentioned briefly not seeing friends and family. Have you? you know, I presume obviously when there was that sort of lockdown period, were you able to spend time with family and, and do that kind of thing? Yeah. I, yeah. When we, when, when it all kind of eased up a bit, yeah, we went into um, my mom and dad's garden and I saw a lot of my family, which is like really great. Cause I like you, like I'm super close to them and I, and so it's like, it's been really hard to not be around them. I just find that a very like grounding thing to be like in a, in a really sort of car, like just to be around them, I find very comforting um and so that's been something yeah that I've hugely missed but I've I lived with two I do live with two amazing girls um Holly and Emily and they've been incredible during this time and like being able to talk to friends over FaceTime and lots of the kind of like you know group quiz things even though they seem like a literally a different age now they were so helpful so yeah yeah. I just don't know what I did for the whole time I don't even know what I did I think I just panicked for solidly for like four four months (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just wandered around and panicked. Exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> not anything useful. Just like Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, it's Ben Bidwell here, otherwise known as The Naked Professor. I'm popping up to say the brand new series of The Naked Professor's podcast is now live. We're all about having deep and vulnerable discussions about what's really going on and how people are really feeling and dealing with the challenges in their lives. Each episode features a roundtable of incredible guests. You can expect to hear things like this. You know, the father I was a year ago is different to the father I am now. Past months have been more up and down than I've ever experienced. My stress levels have been elevated since the show came out. I've been working really hard to try and hold the good and the bad in my life at the moment. These conversations are more important now than ever before. So if you want to tune in, and subscribe to the Naked Professors podcast wherever you found this one. At my school, the Spice Girls were happening at the same time, but for some reason, I just like they just passed me by, and I don't know how. Yeah, um, I wanted but, to ask you that. Like, what what yeah. was Spice Girls a thing for you? It was just five. Was you know I, they really weren't, and I can't. Exp- I have no idea why. Like, I guess I don't know. They just weren't the the kind of craze that we had. Four girls at my school who were bewitched, like they would go around being bewitched. And I actually formed a, a group in my year called the Grinders um, that everyone was allowed to be in except for the girls in Bewitched because everyone felt quite excluded from Bewitched. But obviously you can only have four members of Bewitched. So what, I was obviously sort of on this like... <laughs> Inclusivity. <laughs> yeah. um, although I didn't let my best friend be a lead singer, I made her be a backing dancer. <laughs> so I was sort of like a kind of uh, despotic leader when I finally got power. Uh, power. But um yeah, five was basically just sums up that feeling of being. Me and my friends um, rehearsed a song for the talent show in year five, I think it was, um, for I think it's Baby When the Lights Go Out. And we just rehearsed like non stop, like the, and the passion and the dedication that we did every break time by this particular tree with this particular cassette like this sort of portable um, tape player over and over again. We play it and, and do the moves. And I just, that like crystallizes this feeling of being around that age, like nine, 10 and feeling like I, I had nailed life. Like I knew what was good. I knew that, that doing dance routines with my friends and really trying hard to do it. And like being the kind of almost at the top of the school and just ruling the roost. I, I just, that was it for me. It was like the kind of peak confidence. And um, so that, that, that song and that band really remind me, but the song I chose, I think is um, Get On Up, which is like, a really inspiring song. I genuinely love it still. I think it's so beautiful. <laughs> I think it's so beautiful. Well, it's yeah, great. but I mean, you, you know, you chuckle when you say that. I agree with you because actually uh, when I was looking at, you know, the lyrics for this as well, mm. if you take them away and try not to sing them, uh, speak them rather in the kind of rhythm of the song, it's the, like even the first few lines, I woke up today with this feeling that better things are coming my way. And if the sunshine has a meaning, it's telling me not to let things get in my way. Like it's really yeah. lovely. If someone read that to you as a poem. Yeah. yeah. Oh, goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It's like if you took yeah. it away from the sort of cheesy pop um, kind of structure that we all know it from, actually, the the lyrics are really beautiful. I agree with you. Um, let's, in fact, let's have a little listen now. So let's go back to you rehearsing under the tree with your cassette tape, listening yeah. to Five, Get On Up. Here it goes. <laughs> Oh, 
so good. So what? Really, tell me it? about the dance moves. What was happening? Oh, yeah. Well, um, so this, well, the routine that we did, I think it may have actually been to a different song, but we, we had the thing that got us in the actual performance in the end, like, I wish I could show you the moves, but the thing that really got us in the end, I was actually telling someone about this yesterday, weirdly, um, is that we'd rehearsed to the, um, uh, radio edit, the single version, but not the, um, album version, which is what we were play what, what was played in, um, in the actual performance. So we didn't know that there was like a 30 second dance break in the, in the middle. <laughs> so after all those weeks of like deep, deep, um, rehearsal, we, we suddenly were, were stuck with like no lyrics and no moves. And so I did the worm across the stage. like <laughs> I, I was going to say, I can see you doing the worm. <laughs> Next up is our episode with George Blagden. I loved this particular story because I think we can all relate to that moment where a song has made us feel invincible. Maybe it's during a workout, before a big meeting or an interview, or in fact, in George's case, before his audition for Guildhall School of Music and Drama. And that was where his career began. And I think he describes this story so well. It's like that moment when you catch someone looking in their own reflection and they're feeling invincible and you see that they've got headphones in and they're reaching the chorus and they're just living life to their best. And I think this is such a wonderful story that George shared with us. I wanted to listen to it again. So it's that sense of uh, music making us feel like we can do anything. Amazing. Yeah, I know. It's so cool, isn't it? And it's like, um, yeah. it's a reggae style album. So he's obviously kind of experimenting with loads of different genres there. But does hearing it take you back to a specific moment during the wedding? Or is it kind of a an image in your mind? Yeah, just that, just that moment in the ceremony. I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people who tells everyone that I don't cry. Like I'm, I'm not a crier. But I then cry at every opportunity <laughs> that I have to. Uh, and I was just gone. Like, you know, I, everyone was looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with this guy? <laughs> We're one verse in and he's got tears streaming down his face. His <laughs> like, wife George, is totally fine. George, you've got two and a half minutes. You've got two and a half more minutes of this song. Keep it together. Yeah. No, it was definitely a case of that, of like over-egging it too early and then having to stand there <laughs> and listen to the entire song in a mess. Um but just yeah, I I love I love the way that music can do that, and and definitely for me, um, that's why I was really excited about doing this podcast with you, is because music is such a uh, a shortcut to emotion for me, and I use it often in my work. Like if I'm on set and having to navigate different scenes and things, and often sometimes when you're on set, you can be shooting a scene from episode one in the morning, and then in the afternoon be shooting a different scene from episode seven literally six hours later in the drama yeah and sometimes they can be very emotionally different you might have to suddenly do a very emotionally taxing scene and I just find that music is um like a shot in the arm of kind of connecting to your um emotional uh bank if you see what I mean yeah, definitely. Um, I was I wanted to ask you that. So if you have, for example, yeah, if you had something that was a scene or something that you're filming that's really kind of heightened emotionally, that's is that how you sort of work through that and get to that place? Yeah. I, I, and sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> um, sometimes you'll be sat there with headphones and they'll be like, 
cameras are rolling george we've been here 40 minutes <laughs> no it's not it's never that bad but um some sometimes it, it doesn't work but i i think certain situations and what's led up to that scene in the day and sometimes you can just put on a track that triggers something um and uh it can make you connect with with things i also think i i think mute that's why i love musicals so much and um I found it really interesting on um, the movie you mentioned earlier, the Les Mis movie that I did in 2012, watching some of these actors that I'd grown up watching on screen, but watching them in, in front of me on set, working with the whole premise of sort of acting through song. I, I genuinely saw parts of their work that I'd never seen in any other thing that I'd seen them on screen. Uh, because there's something about acting through song or, you know, performing with music that connects you to a part of yourself that you're maybe not able to access. Definitely. In a, in a different, I'm sounding really wanky, but um, <laughs> no. uh, like it, it's, it's, uh, I just think music's a really easy way to connect with your emotions. Yeah. And I, um, I think, I think you're right. And I think what we're going to talk about, actually, one of your, your sort of Jim Hype song is from a, a musical. We can talk about that now, in fact. And I think, yeah, as you mentioned, that kind of, I suppose someone else has written the music and someone else has written the lyrics and they've put it on this page. And so you have to interpret it. And it's that kind of responsibility you have, whether you're an actor, a singer, you know, whatever it may be, but you're taking that kind of piece of someone's creativity, a little bit of their soul there, and you've got to kind of create something. And I think that's why, you know, people in that situation put quite a lot of pressure on themselves, but equally the other side of it is that the words are there for you. So it almost gives you this kind of uh, narrative to run with and, and to enjoy. And the thing is with music, when I, I do quite a lot of, so over lockdown, I've done a lot of teaching. That's something that I've kind of managed to do online. And I always say to people, I'm like, take the words away from the music and read it like it's a poem. And mm. then figure out where you kind of you know where it kind of rises and falls and realize like what that means to you emotionally personally and then it's like put your stamp on it and that's why music's incredible because just like you've explained you know the reason why you loved hearing that song I won't give up is because it was two of your you know best mates singing it at the time so it had probably a different meaning behind it perhaps yeah and and like a totally different meaning behind it since that event like I, I often that would be a song that I would go to on my iPhone as part of any other like you know playlist that you listen to but that listening to that song after the wedding obviously there's like a huge different experience listening to it now um because of that um extra baggage I guess that it's got connected with it lastly I've chosen an excerpt from the episode with my mum Caroline Wright just because I thought it's the festive season and for me this time of year is all about family. And I know also some of you, including myself, haven't had much of a chance to see family during lockdown or if you've been self-isolating or if you've in fact just been living 2020 like all of us have, it's been pretty strange. And I think when we have seen family, it's been from a distance, which is so, so hard to, to maintain and, and it feels wrong and it feels uncomfortable to not be close to our loved ones. I loved recording this episode because for me, I guess selfishly, it was an excuse and a chance to hear about my mum's childhood, to hear about some stories that were new to me. Um, and this particular one that I've chosen is a really beautiful, but also quite sad story about a school friend of my mum's and how music at that time taught her so many things and it allowed her to be 
emotional with her friends and for that to be acceptable as well. And it was that moment where music brought everyone together. So I hope you enjoy it. Talk to me about these two pieces of music and how they link together for you. Well, goodness, this is, I mean, I've select, oh, spit it out, woman. I think that you've asked me for a song that reminds me of good times. And what's really interesting to me when I was thinking about this was there was no one song that I could think about that reminded me of good times in general, because there were lots of different songs that reminded me of different good times. Mm -hmm. But these two combined in one experience, I think have, have taught me an awful lot and have taught me about how to try to be a better person and how to make something terrible be bearable and improved and just helped, I suppose. So when I was at school, um, and I can't think how old I was, but probably, I don't know, 13 or 14, no, prob- no, 15, because, yeah, it would have been 15. I remember going into my music class, um, music GCSEs, and I was, uh, I realised that some of the girls in, in the class were looking uh, pretty upset. And the music teacher explained when we were all sitting down really quietly that we were going to just change our usual lesson pattern. Um, And we were told to put our books away. And she went on to say that one of the girls in our class who'd been ill for a long while had passed away. Um, And of course, for some of us who didn't know that when we walked into the room, it was a real shock. So Mm. we were then all asked to decide together as a class on a piece of music that we wanted to listen to for our classmate. Um, and so collectively, we all chose The Chai Lights because that was her favourite song at the time. Um, and we all listened to it and a lot of us cried. And it, I think at that point, I realised that lyrics were really important to music, that I thought a lot about music and rhythm and harmony and song but this was a moment when lyrics came through so strongly and how you read into lyrics the mood and the take on them that you want at the time Um, and I think really I hadn't paid much attention to lyrics up to that point and when that piece of music was over the class we were then able to talk about our friend for a while and then really really carefully our teacher encouraged us to think about the power of music and how it can capture a person and how it speaks to emotions and she talked about how different music can make you feel in different ways and then she then said I want to play you something which is going to be really different Mm-hmm. It's something really new. You've probably never heard it before. And she then played Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring. And I'd never heard anything like it in my life. I mean, it was extraordinary. It made me sit up and take notice. It was just such a different thing to anything I'd encountered before. And although the mood of the class was obviously very sombre, um, it, it was such a different, it was almost like a release. And when I look back, I realise that 
that was probably a really brave thing for the teacher to do at that time and a really a really brave choice of music um and I suppose in a way you're probably wondering why have I chosen this to reflect good times well I think it's because that music class was the was one of the highlights of my school weeks at an art and that day will never be forgotten I mean I remember it now and it was a very long time ago because it's where I learned about the value of friendship and the power of the arts and the impact that one person can have on others and how music that's introduced to you can change your perspectives on what life is like and what music can be and is. And I think it was also a point at which I started to find out about my own place in the world of all this different culture out there and really started to think, goodness me, it can be anything. You can do anything. Um, and the Writer's Spring is on my studio playlist when I'm working in the studio. And it's so full of energy that it completely lifts the spirits and makes you jump around. And again, a bit like Tubular Bells, that there's that rhythmic um, connection and separation that plays with your mind as you're listening to it. Um, but... And I suppose the other thing is that that experience I really I, I occasionally pops into my mind when I'm working with students, because I think to myself, you know, you can you can plan something you're going to do, but when you get into the space and your students are there and you're in the room, and then something might have happened or th- th- there's something going on, and you need to work with being in the moment and be sensitive and understand that there's an individual and a collective element to working with groups of people. Um, And even if that means sort of going off plan, um, you know, to be able to do that and to have confidence to do that and to trust into an instinct. And I think, um, yeah, so there's a lot of things came out of that that I think have impacted on life a lot. Even though it was a very sad moment, it was also a moment that, has had a lot, I think, of of benefits from it. Yeah, what an amazing story. And obviously now makes complete sense why those two pieces are sort of intrinsically linked for you personally. Um, Let's have a little listen to each of those. So we'll listen to Eugene Record and The Chilites, which is Have You Seen Her? And Igor Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring, which is the first part one, The Adoration of the Earth.
And that's it for my best bits of 2020. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll be back at the start of 2021, where we'll have plenty more wonderful guests for you to listen to. And until then, Merry Christmas and a very happy new year, a year that I'm sure we all can't wait to end. (laughs) Bye. I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.